This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, let's get right to it. James Harden's future in Brooklyn. Number one. As a Net fan right now, I'm not thinking about 2023. I'm not thinking about 2024. I'm not thinking about free agency. So while I understand why, especially in the NBA, where drama and star players being unhappy and star players demanding trades or leaving as free agents is a major, major story, sometimes a bigger story than what happens on the court. As a Net fan, I'm not overly concerned about James Harden's future. Will there come a time in which I'm concerned about James Harden's future? Sure. But right now, I'm concerned about today. I'm concerned about tomorrow. I'm concerned about these three guys playing together for an extended period of time in the postseason. I'm concerned about Joe Harris's ankle. I'm concerned about that. Now, as far as the story is concerned about Harden and what he's unhappy about and testing free agency, couple of things. Number one, the biggest takeaway for me, again, as a Net fan, not as a basketball fan, not as someone rooting for the Net disaster like every host at WFAN besides, you know, me and Keith McPherson. Um, the biggest story to me is that as unhappy as he is, reportedly, he's not demanding a trade. He wants to win this year. He wants to compete this year, but he's frustrated by some of the things that have happened this year led by... Kyrie Irving not being available for home games. Well, duh. I think he's made it pretty obvious with some of his answers over the last few weeks that, of course, he's frustrated that Kyrie Irving isn't eligible for home games. We're all frustrated that Kyrie Irving isn't eligible for home games. Now, is he pissed at Irving? Is he pissed at the city? Is he just pissed in general? I'm not sure who he necessarily blames for it, but yeah. Especially when you look at the rotations and the way this roster is built, when there's no Irving and there's no Kevin Durant, this is not a very good basketball team. And they have to overly rely on James Harden or Patty Mills has to have one of those nights where he drops 25 or Camp Thomas has to be an offensive fire plug off the bench, which he certainly wasn't against the Lakers or LMA has to hit every mid-range jump shot. That's how they are going to win games when James Harden is the lead guy without Durant and Kyrie. So yeah, at his age, coming off a hamstring injury a year ago, it's not ideal. I don't blame him for that. But to me, the big story would have been James Harden's effing miserable. He wants out today. And if that was the case, it's a completely different animal. But but I remember saying this before this season began, when me and Biseglia were kind of breaking down the future of these guys. Are they all going to re-sign? What's going to happen? And after Durant re-signed and Harden and Kyrie Irving didn't, 
we both lean towards, well, Harden's going to resign, but you never know what could happen in a year. A lot can change, good and bad, by the way. Good can happen, bad can happen. As we sit here today on, as I record this, January 26th, is the pendulum leaning towards James Harden saying, I want out? Probably. Probably. Think about it. The team has played mediocre basketball for a few weeks. Kevin Durant's out for at least another month. Kyrie Irving is playing, but he's ineligible for home games, which in a way is a tease as compared to him not playing at all. And the weather sucks, which I do have to throw in there. But when we get to April and hopefully May and June, if everybody's healthy and they're winning and the weather's nice, I think James Harden pendulum goes another way. And here's the other thing, and I and I hate to engage in this because it's really not something I'm worried about. When you get to free agency at the end of this season, and we understand that nobody really has the cap space to sign James, so the Nets are in a good spot in which if James Harden wants to leave and the Nets are going to oblige, they're going to get something significant back in a sign-and-trade. It's not going to be like Spencer Dinwiddie where they're walking away with trade exceptions. They could make, potentially, a really good deal in a sign-and-trade. And that, to me, also gives me the security blanket knowing If he really wants to leave and the Nets are willing to make a move and you can trust Sean Marks to make a good move, they could walk away as winners from this whole thing. Now, I look at some of the potential rumors around Ben Simmons and I say, I I prefer not to have Ben Simmons on my team. It has nothing to do with him as a player, more to do with can he deal with this? Can he play alongside the pressures of championship caliber basketball in New York City around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? And I do expect Kyrie to be here forever, assuming that the mandate changes. But I look at the rumors around Ben Simmons' trades, and I say, well, that could be the net return. Because if it's a sign and trade, you get a third team involved. Sacramento's hot to trot for Ben Simmons. Minnesota's hot to trot for Ben Simmons. You name the other team hot to trot for Ben Simmons. I started to hear about the packages that potentially would go to Philadelphia. And I say, huh, how would that work to Brooklyn? But I don't want to start thinking that way. I will think that way in July. And I think there's going to be a lot of net fans. And I'm not sure what side I'm on with it yet because I need to see how this season ends. I need to see the way Harden plays, especially in a big spot. And I need to see what potential offers are out there. But there's going to be a bunch of net fans who say, you know what? F it. I prefer the sign and trade. I prefer moving on from James Harden because that contract's probably going to age badly. And whoa, I've got a chance to recoup a pick or two. Whoa, I have a chance to add a couple of shooters around Kevin Durant. But that's one of those things that we'll worry about in May and June, well, hopefully not May, in July. Right now, here's my worry, and this should be all of our worries. They're not a very good basketball team when Kyrie Irving isn't out there. That's just the facts. I mean, when you look at the rotation that was on the floor on Tuesday night against the L.A. Lakers, and you look at who they need to rely on to score when James Harden isn't on the floor, that's a problem. Bruce Brown, for whatever reason, has regressed as a player. LaMarcus Aldridge is not having those monster games that he had early in the season. Nicholas Claxton was clearly on a minutes restriction in his first game back. Cam Thomas was dreadful the other night. DeAndre Bembry, nice energy player, is not an offensive fire plug. So unless you're getting a huge night out of Patty Mills, there just isn't a lot of offense. Meanwhile, their biggest problem was they couldn't defend. I mean, that was that was honestly their biggest issue. Malik Monk found himself wide open on the perimeter all night long. Say what you want about Russ. And I know Russell Westbrook had, you know, an okay night, I guess. 
No, it wasn't two for 18. I think he shot 50% from the field, but his ability to get into the paint led to wide open looks, led to wide open threes, led to Malik Monk going six for 12 from three. And obviously LeBron was a beast and we know how good LeBron James can be. And they got 25 quality minutes out of Anthony Davis. But the truth is, this is not a good team right now. And so I'm not going to engage in this whole, well, they're better off dropping in the seeds because Kyrie's not eligible for home games. I'm not thinking that way. And by the way, I don't think any of us should think that way. The Nets should win basketball games for a few reasons. Number one, they're not that far removed from the playing tournament. Now, I'm not necessarily worried yet that they're going to fall that far because you would need Charlotte to play a lot better, Toronto to play a lot better, the Celtics to play a lot better, Washington, who blew a 35-point lead at home the other night to the Clippers and lost on a essentially a walk-off four-point play. So it's not that I don't think the Nets could lose a bunch of games. It's that I'm not sure those teams that I mentioned are going to be able to win enough games to pass the Nets to move them into that play-in tournament, which is dangerous. You know, as good as the Nets are in the playoffs, even if they're fully healthy, sure, they should take care of business. Who the hell wants to deal with that? I mean, nobody wants to deal with that stress. So number one, you want to win games to avoid that. And number two, falling to five and six is not ideal because I remain optimistic that by the time we get to the middle of April, the mandate rules in New York City are going to change. And that's the way the Nets have to think about it. Because if you sat here for the next month and a half and said, well, they're better off losing games. Let's make sure we have a road court advantage. And then all of a sudden, they announce the mandates change. Sure, we'll be happy because it means Kyrie's eligible for every game. But then that whole thought that you had in January and February is out the window. So I want to win games. And look, they're not that far removed from the number one seed. Miami's now at number one at 30 and 17, and they're healthier. Chicago is banged up, and they're struggling, and they're a half game ahead of the Nets. The Bucs are right there. Cleveland's right there. Philadelphia's right there. So it is bunched up one through six. I want to win games. But I got to be honest, when you look at this schedule and you know the Nets are going to be cautious with Durant as they should, I'm not sure how many wins they're going to get. They got this game tonight against the Nuggets at home. And like I mentioned, they're an undermanned team at home. You see the difference when you don't have Irving on the floor. Say what you want about the guy. He's a hell of a player who's in the prime of his career. I think in a lot of ways, even though it's been frustrating, because whether it's injuries or the vaccine mandate or going away for personal reasons, Kyrie Irving's tenure with the Nets has been start and stop. I acknowledge that. Getting hurt in the postseason was a kick in the you-know-what. He didn't go to the bubble. I understand all that. If you look at the way this guy has played since he's gotten here, he's been awesome. Let's call it like it is. Let's be fair about that. He has been efficient as hell. He has been outstanding as a Brooklyn Net when he's played. And that's the caveat, when he's played. And that's the biggest issue with him. Is he going to play basketball games? And every year there's been a different reason. But you look at this game against Denver at home where they're undermanned. You look at the road trip they have upcoming where they have to go to San Francisco and play the Warriors, where they have to go to Phoenix and play the Suns, a back-to-back in Sacramento. They go to Utah. They go to Denver. That's a five-game road trip. And even with Irving and Harden out there, assuming they stay healthy, what are they going to do on that five-game trip? Win two games? I mean, they just had a four-game trip with the guys back against Cleveland, Washington, San Antonio, and Minnesota. A lot less daunting than the trip they have upcoming. And what they do on that trip? They went two and two. 
They're still giving up points to the Timberwolves from Sunday night. And look, they could have won the Cleveland game in ways they should have won the Cleveland game. And we know the Cavs are a quality team. They held on and beat the Wizards. They destroyed the Spurs great. But they were 2-2 two and two on a, you know, a road trip. I look at this road trip coming up. First of all, I'm scared that we're staring at like a five-game losing streak. They've already lost two in a row with the loss to Minnesota, the loss to the Lakers. We'll see what happens against the Nuggets. But again, they're an undermanned team without Irving at home. And then that brutal road trip that starts off with the Warriors and the Suns. So you're looking at a team that could be staring at a five-game losing streak. And I get it. You take a step back. You say, come on, Evan. Does it really matter? Just get healthy. Just get Kevin Durant back. They're going to be fine. I hope so. I hope that coming out on Thursday, the 24th, out of the All-Star break, and then that big showdown in Milwaukee, I hope Kevin Durant's back, but they're going to be extra cautious. Anthony Davis had a very similar injury, the knee issue, and he missed a month and a week. So if we play that game, you're looking at late February. But knowing the Nets, they're going to be extra cautious. And then you have the Joe Harris situation. What the hell is going on with that? And one thing that's been painfully obvious watching this team from the beginning is that they desperately miss Joe Harris. They miss his shooting. They have no shooters on this team. I mean, outside of Patty Mills, nobody scares you from the outside. They scare us from the outside. Every time Bruce Brown says to himself, let me put up a corner three, we're all frightened. So that's the only scary part, watching them attempt outside shots. And Steve Nash was brutally honest, even though it sounds like an excuse. It's not. It's the truth. Yeah, we'd be a better shooting team if we had Kevin Durant and Joe Harris on the floor and Kyrie Irving at home games. He's right. But they really miss the spacing of Joe. They do in a desperate way. And the hope was, okay, he's going to miss a bunch of weeks, but he'll be back. Now, after that report last night on TNT where he's getting a second opinion in Indianapolis, he hopes to be back at some point, at some point. Like, when the hell's that going to be? And trust me, I know the focus is really April 17th or whenever the postseason starts. April 16th, April 17th. I get that. But you want to win some games, and you do want this team playing together at some point. And I've mentioned this before. If the mandate doesn't change soon, along with the Kevin Durant injury, what's the maximum amount of games the big three can play together and then throw Joe Harris in there? So right now, it's it's a frustrating time. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But of all the things that are frustrating, if you're making kind of like a list of things that are frustrating... The James Harden rumors are not number one. They're not number two. And it's funny because those that hate the Nets, and I understand why, I don't begrudge anybody for hating the Nets, Nick fans or whatnot. They think, like Craig thinks, I think Giannotti thinks, I haven't heard, but I assume he thinks, that the Harden rumors are rattling us and killing us and bothering us. Like, oh my God, oh my, this is the end of the world. It's not. It's not for two reasons. Number one, I want to win this year. Go win me a championship. I'll be so through the moon. I don't know how much I'm going to even care about free agency. I'm sure I will, but you know what I mean. And number two, let's see where we are when this season is over. Let's see what we think of James Harden when this season is over. Let's see what we think of the trade packages when this season is over. It's not crazy. I really don't think it's going to be crazy for some of us to be in favor of a James Harden sign and trade. Because remember this, and this is why everybody should be relaxed about all these rumors. 
Kevin Durant is signed long-term, and I'm also not fearful that he's going to wake up one day and demand the trade. Kevin Durant's won his championship, and while that may be a negative to us because he may be more content that he's won his championship and we haven't, we're desperate for it, I think this guy is set in New York City. I think he wants to be here, whether it's for other business purposes, whether it's just building his own thing in Brooklyn, whether it's sick of moving. I'm not worried about Kevin Durant getting angry and demanding a trade. I'm just not. And Kyrie Irving's going nowhere either. I mean, Kyrie Irving wants to be here. I think a part of why when we were all discussing, hey, should they trade Kyrie since he can't play, a part of why that was never going to get off the ground is because he doesn't want to go anywhere. And so assuming that these mandates change, obviously I'm hopeful it happens before the playoffs. If you're the Nets, you got to re-sign him. You're going to have to max him out. Even if it means, yeah, at any moment he may disappear for a few weeks. You want to know why? Because you can't replace him. This is all about value. So I'll take you back to 2003 when Jason Kidd was a free agent and we just lost in the NBA Finals to the Spurs. The Spurs had the cap space to sign Jason Kidd outright. So the idea that, well, we could organize a sign-in trade and get Tony Parker back, that was never going to happen because the Spurs didn't need to do that. The Spurs literally could have signed him and the Nets were going to get nothing. That's scary. If the Philadelphia 76ers had max cap space or were in line to get max cap space, I'd have a little bit more worry because that backup plan of a sign and trade wouldn't be there as strongly as it is today. Losing Kyrie Irving for nothing is a disaster. Losing James Harden for nothing would be a disaster. But if you're able to recoup that value, it's a game changer. It changes things. Now, obviously, you got to make the right deal. Obviously, there are certain deals I'll say, ah, that doesn't make us better. There are certain deals where I'll say, yeah, I'm not sure. There are certain deals where I'd say, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. And that's a big aspect of this as we start to think towards July. But I don't want to think about July. I want to think about beating the Nuggets tonight. <laughs> I want to think about finding a way to steal a couple of games on this West Coast trip. And I want to think about Kevin Durant coming back healthy and all of us feeling better about ourselves. Because right now, most Net fans don't feel great. We're not in a good place right now. This was supposed to be a fun, let's have a good time regular season, and it really hasn't been. Anyhow, thank you for listening to uh, the James Harden Wants Out slash We Suck Without Kyrie Irving edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.